0: Governor J.B. Pritzker is about to give his second budget address. Advocates for student athletes are pushing for them to get endorsement deals. And with the 2020 census coming up, how will Illinois redraw legislative and congressional district maps next time around? All that coming up on this edition of Capital Cast. Hello and welcome to Capital Cast, a regular podcast of Capital News, Illinois. I'm Peter Hancock, and here with me today is Jerry Nowicki and Rebecca Ansel. Governor Pritzker is set to give his annual budget address at noon on Wednesday. None of us know exactly what's going to be in that budget address just yet, but we thought we'd take a look back and listen to what he said last year in his first budget address.
1: This fiscal year 2020 budget is balanced, but that's not enough. This is only year one of a multi-year endeavor. And very importantly, it's built on the state's current regressive tax structure that I do not favor, and that puts the greatest burden on working families. Not only is our tax system unfair, it's also inadequate to solve our long-term financial challenges. It's time for a change.
0: So Governor Pritzker went from there to push for his graduated income tax, a constitutional amendment that will be on the November general election ballot. In the meantime, he talked about his first budget as being a bridge to help get the state through its current financial crisis.
1: Until then, this proposed budget serves as a bridge to a stable fiscal future. Which is why I am proposing a fiscal year 2020 budget with reprioritized and controlled spending that targets increases in three key areas that will help our state thrive and grow. Education, health and human services, and public safety. Investments in people that I believe will pay dividends down the road. This is a constrained budget, more austere than I would like, but I think it's important that we be disciplined and focused over the next few years to pay down our bill backlog and the debt left over from prior administrations.
0: Okay, so Jerry, let's turn to you first. Uh, he talked about three priorities that he put into his 2020 budget, which is the budget we're just now ending up on. Uh, he talked about education, human services, and public safety. Did we get that?
2: Yeah, I mean, last year he uh, they Chipped in the extra 350 million that's required by statute for public education, uh, and I think they did an extra 25 million on top of that for something around 375 million. Um, some of the other stuff, you know, after dealing with two years of a budget impasse and then the first rounder budget, uh, the two rounder budgets, basically,
0: the state was in a pretty deep hole uh, after the after the budget impasse. And we've heard the governor talk about how uh, just how hollowed out state government was, more so than he expected when he first came into office.
2: Right. And the interesting stuff that you played in that clip is, uh, of course, calling it a bridge. And the bridge is to the, of course, graduated income tax, which he wants to pass in November. That will require 60% of the uh, vote from the public. And he's counting on that for somewhere around 3.4 to $3.6 billion, And that's what he believes can help fund education better, um, which he believes, you know, would drive down property taxes. So, um, and that can't be included in this year's budget because we don't know if it's going to pass.
0: Right, so voters will vote on that in the November general election. If it become, if it passes, uh, we can assume that maybe it will take effect in the 2021 tax year, uh, but that doesn't really get you much money until 2022.
2: Right, so um, the other thing is, he appears to have told the Chicago newspapers that um, he's going to put some more money towards DCFS this year, uh, and then there's another $350 million is supposed to be added every year to public education. So that's another thing. Uh, the public uh, employee pension is growing this year, the amount of money we need to put into it. So he's going to have to show us how he can offset some of that if he's not going to raise new revenues.
0: Right. So the Chicago Tribune and the Sun-Times have reported that he's going to propose an additional $147 million for the Department of Children and Family Services, uh, which is an agency that's been in been in the headlines a lot uh, because of its inability to protect children who are in state custody.
2: Right. So there's a lot of good uh, spending initiatives, but where does the money come from? That's what he's going to have to tell us.
0: Now, he did talk last week about having identified, I think it was like $225 million in savings uh, just through efficiencies. A lot of it came through health care from the new collective bargaining agreements with state employees. Um, But... 225 million i think somebody pointed out is less it's about one half of one percent of the entire state budget which this year is around 40 billion dollars uh so if he wants 147 million for dcfs another 350 million for k-12 through education I can't remember how many, 400-some-odd million for additional pension contributions. They're going to have to do something more than just uh, efficiencies.
2: Right. Last year, he had proposed uh, general obligation bonds uh, towards the pension. Or- Maybe you can explain that a little bit.
0: Yeah, they are called pension obligation bonds, which I think the state ended up not having to do because it got a windfall of income tax uh, in April of last year.
2: So it'll be interesting to see where, if he touches on those, I haven't heard anything that suggests he will, but where that plays in, if it plays in.
0: Okay, and in the meantime, we have lawmakers kind of angling for position on various pieces of legislation that they want outside the budget. You covered one last week where Representative Emmanuel Chris Welch uh, was trying to kickstart a bill that he introduced last year. Uh, It's called the Student-Athlete endorsement act is that it Uh, and this would give student athletes the ability to sign endorsement deals uh, to profit off of their own name image and likeness
2: right Uh, that passed the house with bipartisan support in the veto session and then stalled in the senate so it it does what it says uh, but it wouldn't take effect until 2023 because the ncaa which governs uh intercollegiate athletics would kind of have to set the rules so Wally. He also he wants it to take effect, but he, he also understands that it's pressure on the NCAA to get something done.
0: Right. He wants something done at the national level, I think. Uh, but the NCAA seems to have been moving at what might be called a glacial pace on this. Uh, they announced last year that they were sort of m- moving ever so slightly in the direction of considering this idea. Do, do we know where the NCAA is on this right now?
2: No. They said, you know, they, they'd look into what steps need to be taken. Uh, and they, they had spoken at a congressional committee to the U.S. Congress to say, you know, we want this to happen at a national level, not a patchwork of states.
0: Okay. And I want to turn to Rebecca and our public affairs reporting intern, uh, Ben Orner, uh, to talk about something else that was on the table, it has been on the table in recent days. The 2020 census is coming up. We'll all get these invitations. We'll fill out the forms online or fill out the forms in paper. Uh, the primary thing this is used for, other than distributing federal money according to population, is distributing congressional districts and state legislative districts. Um, so there are some people who have uh, well, Rebecca, why don't you tell me how does it how does the process work right now?
3: Uh, so currently, members of the legislature um, propose maps for legislative districts and congressional districts, um, and they approve them. If they can't do that, uh, there's a commission that's formed, um, and it kind of goes from there, but but right now the power rests in the general assembly's hands.
0: And this has been strongly criticized, not just in Illinois, but in other states, uh, it, as a process whereby politicians get to pick their voters. They draw district lines around the group of voters that they think they're most likely to win. is it, That's the major objection to it, right?
4: Yeah, the uh, lawmakers that we heard from last week um, basically said you know, Illinois has a lot of corruption problems, and this process of politicians being able to pick their voters, so to speak, instead of voters being able to pick their politicians, that's sort of where corruption starts. That seems to be the, the basic argument here.
0: Okay, so what's the plan on the table now? There's a constitutional amendment to overhaul this process. Rebecca.
3: So um, this is one of five or six redistricting proposals. This one in particular um, asks the Supreme Court justice and next most senior justice from, elected from the opposite party um, to choose commissioners. Uh, there's a whole bunch of criteria that goes along with that. Politicians can't be a commissioner. Um, Their family members can't be one, lobbyists. Um, And the idea is that that this is going to be an independent commission that um, will draw maps more more fairly.
0: Okay, but the maps would still have to be approved by the General Assembly and the governor uh, in order to become law, wouldn't they? No. Okay, so they would just be handing over that legislative authority to an independent commission?
4: Yeah, that's right, and that's um, part of the getting the politicians out of um, the map drawing process, making it more uh, transparent, making it more independent, letting the you know the regular Joe voter you know group of them uh, do that. And this isn't um, this isn't a new concept. Um, there are many states. I'd say the majority of states have uh, a like legislator drawn. Um, process, but we've seen recently. I uh, know the state of Michigan has particularly um, badly drawn maps. They passed a constitutional amendment in 2018 uh, to put their um, those duties into a uh, independent uh, citizen run commission. Also, uh, Illinois neighbors uh, Iowa and Missouri have a uh, citizen type. Uh, Commission, So this is uh, not a new concept.
0: Not a new concept. Probably not enough yet to be called a trend. uh, But it's certainly something that uh, good government advocates uh, have been pushing around the country.
3: And in this state for a very long time, um, this is the most recent of an iteration of a redistricting amendment from Change Illinois. Um, We'll see what happens, though. Lawmakers have until May 3rd as the effective deadline to get any amendment, not just this one, but any amendment through the general assembly. So it could be presented to voters in enough time.
0: Right. So for it to get on the November ballot, um, because lawmakers, they have to start doing the redistricting next year. So if you count back from November, uh, they have to get this constitutional amendment approved by the general assembly to get on the ballot this year so that it can be put into effect in
4: 2021. Okay. Uh, one thing I heard from, from one advocate said that, uh, she said it's the, um, the, really the best time um, for for them right now to to get this done because uh, lawmakers in March will be running for re-election, um, and then again in November, primaries in general. Um, so 67% of uh, Illinoisans from a Southern Illinois University poll last year um, support independently drawn uh, districts. So it's a popular thing, and maybe because it's an election year, politicians will... Um, feel the urge to um, get this done.
0: Okay, so we'll be following that over the next few weeks. We'll also be monitoring the governor's budget address on Wednesday, and we'll be back in our next edition of Capital Cast to analyze all of that. For now, I'm Peter Hancock for Capital News Illinois. Thank you for listening.